Cutaways podcast. I'm Justine. And I'm Ashley. Now, every week on our show, we turn on Netflix to watch a romantic comedy, and we're watching them in chronological order to gain insight and context to this lovely genre, and because it's fun. We started in 1918. Uh, Where are we at today? Today we are watching the classic 1939 movie, The Mikado, which if you are Japanese and we are saying this wrong, we very much apologize. Um, It will be the last film that we have in the 30s, according to Netflix. Yep, on Netflix, subgenre romantic comedy list. Which is not missing. (laughs) No, it was gone. I freaked out. It's back. Stop changing things, Netflix. (laughs) Just stop. Oh, they also, they added back Nothing Sacred, just so you know. Oh, good. Because it came up on my watch list again. Good. Yes, we apologize (laughs) for movies disappearing after we watch them. It's not our fault. It's Netflix. It's totally Netflix. Uh, From Netflix, this is an hour and 30 minutes long. This uh, 1939 performance by legendary Dolly Cart Opera Company of Gilbert and Sullivan's beloved operetta features a renowned cast and lavish sets. That really doesn't say anything about the movie no, at all. No, <laughs> it's not a real description. It's just like, hey, here's a version of this opera. Enjoy. Have fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, it stars uh, Kenny Baker, Martin Green, Sidney Granville. I think it's a, I think I read it's a British film or a British cast and crew. Okay. Doing a Japanese opera. opera. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's two stars on Netflix right now. <laughs> poor, poor movie. You're only two stars. The fact that it's two stars and also has an Academy Award, or was an Academy Award nominee, is really kind of hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was a, a 1940 Academy Award nominee for Best Cinematography in Color. Mm-hmm. Because back then they did two separate categories. Yeah, um, categories have changed over the years, like even up until recently. Mm-hmm. Oh, I remember when it was a big deal that they changed the best uh, the best picture category. Mm-hmm. It's still a big deal. There's lots of hot button issues going on with that. Yeah, awards are dumb. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they used to have uh, cinematography categories for black and white and for color. Now they are... Together. Together, because we don't get any black and white movies anymore except for The Artist, which was recent. Um, that's kind of sad. It didn't win, though. It was just a nominee. <laughs> but that's still sad. Like, it's sad to think that we don't have any more black and white movies coming out anymore, because the film was so, it's so different from color film. Oh, wait, there was one uh, last year, Ida, from Poland. Oh! If I'm saying that right, which I'm probably not. We are really horrible Americans. We're sorry. We are... Very sorry. <laughs> yeah, and you're listening to us. <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that. I, the director is Victor Scherzinger. Scherzinger? Yes. Scherzinger. That's how I'm going to say it. Mm-hmm. It's a classic comedy that's also romantic, emotional, and witty. That sounds fun. Ashley, are you ready for some opera? No. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But, yeah, I, I feel, I really honestly feel like how they label their movies on Netflix is wrong. 
because the last, like, movies we've watched were all labeled pretty much this exact same way. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a majority of them have not been romantic. Witty, yes. Mm-hmm. Or emotional. I have felt very little aside from really cheering for Fanny Bryce. <laughs> but yeah. Alright, let's go watch it. Alright. And we're back. That was a that was a wild ride. Yeah. Yeah, you guys, I wish you could have been there watching it with us. <laughs> Only because of how angry Ashley was the whole time. I was just Okay, yeah, I was angry. I was thoroughly confused. And also, I'm in the camp of show, don't tell a lot of times, so I guess that's why I just don't do well with opera. Mm-hmm. Because it's a lot more tell, or not really showing. A lot more sing. I don't mind singing. Like, I, I think, I don't know if this would be very, it would be classified as really a true opera, because... There they was talking. There was talking. They didn't sing the whole time. Mm-hmm. There wasn't music the whole time. So that was a little different. I agree with you there that it was just like a, a just a musical. Yeah. Like a, yeah. I don't know. I guess we never really looked up what the difference between an opera and a musical is. I don't know. I'm trying to think of, there was one opera that I saw when I was a child and I just, I didn't understand what they were saying. I didn't understand what I was supposed to feel. And I really wanted to have that Julia Roberts, pretty woman kind of moment, but I didn't ever with opera. Opera's tough. Yeah. That is the definition of this movie. (laughs) Opera's tough and slightly racist. Actually, not slightly. It was full-on racist. Yes. Um, you haven't gathered from us talking about it. They, these are British and a, an American, American play yes. the lead. The British American actors dressed as Japanese characters. But it wasn't, like, traditional Japanese. Like, they were caricatures. Yeah. Like, these were overblown, flowy costumes that were not, they did not really look, they looked like exaggerations of a traditional kimono. They weren't. Actual yeah. traditional kimonos. I mean, I, they were going for comedy, but I feel like stuff with, you know, like with Mel Brooks, he can do comedy, but he's making fun of himself, or the people are in on the joke. Like, yes. These people were not in on the joke. No, these they were playing character, like, they were set, they were these characters in their minds. They were not caricatures. Mm-hmm. The only one who I could think of was that kind of was on that edge was Coco. He was kind of over-exaggerated to the point where he had to have known that he was over-exaggerated as an actor. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everyone else, no. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Um, where do we want to start? Um, okay. We, okay, they have, okay, they had a prologue. They had a written prologue. Yes, it was in, like, the little book with the superimposed text. Yeah, it was a nice little traditional turning of the pages type of text. Storybook kind of thing. Um, And it it told the story, it pretty much told the story of the prologue, and then they showed the prologue. Yes. We watched it. (laughs) But we didn't know that we were watching it. No. So it's like, okay, I know what's going on, because they, like, explain the backstory, and here we are just kind of, you know, getting into yeah. it. Yeah. But no, they literally showed the exact thing 
that they had just <laughs> explained in text form. And then after that, they said, end of the prologue. Yeah. <laughs> and we're like, what? No, I was vehemently angry at that point. I was just like, that's what was happening? <laughs> that was not clear at all. This is a joke. <laughs> this is a really bad joke. That was only, what, like 10 minutes in? No, it was like a good 15 minutes. I thought we were, like, getting into it, because, like, we're, we're involved in, like, the characters. We have no idea who these characters are, because that is not excessively... There was very little talking or singing in the opening. Yeah, I kind of liked it, though, as, like, a as a thing. I don't know. I mean, by the end, we figured out who was who. Yes. The first thing that well, I because, have... because... Okay, go Sorry. Ahead. Um, because they were also... Okay, I think their reasoning was, since this is adapted from a stage opera, they have an overture. They play yes. an overture before the show starts. Yes. They needed a spot for the overture. Okay. So they kind of just shoehorned and pasted this all together so they could fit the soundtrack in. Okay. Still, that's just not... I was not okay with it. <laughs> um, the first thing I have written on my list, which you will find great enjoyment, is there was, like, this police officer dude in the prologue who I guess is sent there to arrest who we later... or who we slowly find out is Coco, mm -hmm. who, in the prologue, it was said he was going to be executed for flirting mm -hmm. because flirting equals death, guys. Totally equals death. Um, but the police officer who is standing there, he was like in, I called him the Jungle Bobby because he looked like a British police officer with the helmet hat, but it was like made out of grass skirts. Like yes. he had this grass skirt cloak, his creepy like tights, and had no pants. Mm-hmm. There was definite bulgeness going on there. <laughs> and the the hat is what like tipped me off of just Yeah, it was uh, tall around you know, like a like a police English police. He was a police Bobby. Um Alright, um so the original play was written in um eighteen eighty five. Yes. So I think that's the Japan era that they're going for as a as a little time capsule of eighteen eighty five. That's what I think. I didn't get that at all. If you could just well <laughs> I don't I'm just saying the Japan of nineteen thirty nine I don't think looks like that. No. I don't think the Japan of 1889 really looked like that. Or 18... <laughs> 18 1885. 1885 looked like that. It was... I don't know. I think I, I think I was briefly reading on the, the Wikipedia that one of the, the Gilbert and Sullivan people had, like, traveled there and was like, oh, I like all this stuff. Or it was... Yeah, it felt kind of like, like, let's appropriate. This is cool. This is mm -hmm. cool. Let's put eyeliner on our actors and make them Japanese. Okay, go. Mm -hmm. That was what it was. <laughs> but it was a huge, it was a very successful play. <laughs> I know. It's also, I. it's in the Cinderellian or whatever the hell that movie collected. I don't know how to say it. Oh, the Criterion Collection? The Criterion Collection, yeah. It is part of the Criterion Collection. Do you think that's because it was nominated for an Academy Award? No. I feel like maybe for set, maybe set design, I mean, it definitely, it, it was one of the very first 
three color films mm-hmm. released by Universal in the United States. So this is this is a, right. a point in history that it makes sense that it would be because it's it is one of the beginning one. But for content alone, I think it needs one of those like disclaimers saying we don't want to change anything because this is this is what it was during the time and we don't want to ignore the fact that it is racist and there is lots of appropriation going on and that these are white characters mm-hmm. but it also is relevant to history. Film, history film history yes it needs one of those right yeah yeah, like I said before, I don't think there were any Japanese people involved in this, so. No, I think the only time that I really find it kind of brought up that there might have been an Asian actor was when the, the little people were walking in the parade. Uh, yeah, that was weird. That the, 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 front, the guy who was in the, the foreground the majority of that time looked somewhat Asian. I don't know, I can't, but I don't. Not in the cast or in the crew. Mm-mm. Well, I, I'm doing the opposite with this movie. I kind of want to preface this with the theme so things make sense instead yes. of at the end going, this was a the theme. And what Gilbert and Sullivan, I think it was them, what they had done was they were, um, they were doing, they were doing a satire of British politics. Okay. That Does it all makes sense now. Kind of. Yeah, I mean that like there's some definite jokes that poke fun at certain British things at the time like luncheon and uh I think they brought up a handkerchief joke and kind of stuff like that, but I also kind of I'm trying to like think about politics in Britain at that time cuz whenever I think of Britain I think of Harry Potter and again, you got to think that, of the late 1800s <laughs> oh at that time mm-hmm. oh okay I'm this so this is all from way earlier than oh, what this is presented see, i'm as. thinking of 1939 right. which is a That's... completely different story but that i guess that makes it a little bit different because that was very stuffy kind of uppity time for for mm-hmm. the brits and all the the beheading nonsense and yes with uh the french and just that would make sense why they sang the happy song about their executioner. Right. So that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Normally, we do this at the end. We're doing things a little backwards because it's a little bit, it's backwards film. Uh, it's more than just backwards film. It's, I didn't, we took so long. Like, I got the point, like, early on in the, not necessarily the song, but in the story of where the direction we were going to be going. Mm-hmm. But it took, or it felt like it took so long to get there. Mm-hmm. I think that was partially because it was like a, an ensemble cast and like everybody had their own time on screen. Okay. That's why I feel like it took a long time because it wasn't just like this is, we didn't have like main character. We had like a group. Yeah. I mean, I did read... That they also, they cut the actual opera down for the movie. So, because I wonder if the opera is about more than the movie is trying to say. If the movie just picked a a very simple section and said, okay, this is our start, this is our middle, and this is our end, Mm -hmm. and this is what we're going to do. 
Because there were points where it just felt like some things were just thrown in there to be thrown in there. Like, we're going to kill this dude, and then we're not going to kill this dude, and then we're going to kill this... We're going to pretend to kill this guy because the Emperor's coming, and we have to... We have to... I don't want to kill anybody, but we have to kill somebody. Mm-hmm. I just... It felt super elongated, but super condensed. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Because the story was very simple. It was very straightforward. The story about an ugly woman. Yes. (laughs) That's a story about an ugly woman who really wanted to get married to the prince, but the prince didn't want to marry her, so he went out and fell in love with some other chick named Yum Yum. Who was supposed to marry someone else. Someone else. And then who was accused of flirting, so therefore he needed to be beheaded but then convinced the government of Japan that he was now the grand executioner of the town of, what is it, Tailong or Tai, what was it? Titipu. Titipu. <laughs> Wait. No, I think it's just straight up Titipu. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote it down. <laughs> One can call it either. I think they were saying Titipu. Okay. The amount of times, like... <laughs> The they say of- poo or tit in this movie. A lot of the names were repetition, too. Like, it was all just sounds that were repeated to name people. Yum yum and Coco. And what was what was dude's name? Oh, Naki Poo. Naki Poo and the Grand Poobah. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of poo. Yeah. Lots of poo. Lots of poo. That's what this movie. Okay. So, like, you just explained the whole movie, and they also explained that. You explained the whole part in the prologue. Yeah. <laughs> but then we have to go and elongate. Like, I would have pr- much preferred to have an, a longer version of the, the prologue. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we're expecting when we kind of watch a romantic comedy, is to see the romance kind of blossom, or fade, and then try and blossom again, or something like that. Right. Um... Can, can we just delve in deeper into the prologue? Because I have <laughs> random things written down. Okay, the sets, first of all, were beautiful. Oh, they were gorgeous. Like, and I feel so sad that they had to destroy them, which they most I, likely did. Oh. Oops. Can't they just repurpose? Like, ah, oh, dude, these sets were... They were gorgeous. And then the backgrounds, which were all done in, like, charcoal, watercolor kind of thing going on. It was really pretty. Mm-hmm. I loved that that sunset. Mm-hmm. Was that in the prologue or was that in Act 1? I don't remember. Okay, so, uh, Nanki? How do you say his name? Nakipu. Nakipu. Okay, so Nakipu just... Okay, so he doesn't want to marry the ugly woman, so he disguises himself as a wandering minstrel, and he goes into some town, and yeah, he sees... Yum Yum. Yum Yum, and like we said, Coco, he's with his other ladies, and he gets caught by the the, the police <laughs> flirting, but then Naki Poo... <laughs> yeah, just go with it. <laughs> just go with it. Naki Poo... Goes and, like, serenades Yum Yum. It's this whole, like, Romeo and Juliet ripoff. <laughs> yes! And she's, like, standing there behind the the screen. Mm-hmm. The, uh, whatever the paper screens are called that they, that they were using as the representation for her window. And she just totally, like, rips through the paper. 
to look through at him. Yeah, who's gonna replace that? Well, some PA, probably, <laughs> but... <laughs> and he's got... I don't know, he's just singing, he's got, like, some sort of mandolin. He's singing about sorrow. Right, he sings about sorrow. See, like, I'm just gonna be like, they sing about this, they sing about that, but I have no idea what they're really... I... I'm just catching words. Yeah, it was... I don't know if it had to do with the recording, or if that's just opera in general. Didn't really get... I got words, not... I got words, not story, not emotion, not... Right, and if you recall, most of this was sung. <laughs> yes. So, a lot of the time, I was just sitting there just saying, get to the fucking point <laughs> in my head. That, that's probably why I was just irrationally angry, because I already knew, I already figured out the point, and I'm just like, get to it. Just figure it out and get to it, because you're frustrating me right now. I love that you hate this. <laughs> this classic piece of cinema. <laughs> I hated it. <laughs> okay, and then they sing about the Japanese army or something. I don't know. And then the prologue ends. Yes, with a, a really mean title card just <laughs> blaring it in your face that you just you just watched what you were told to 15 minutes ago. So, yep. yeah. Okay, and then it's like a year later... He mentions it a couple times where he's like, I saw Yum Yum a year ago and fell in love with her. Oh, I did not get that at all. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't, it was like quickly like, yeah, I saw her a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> so seriously, he's been wandering around for a year. Hiding from his father? Yeah. Oh, we didn't talk about that. Uh, Nakipu is the emperor's son. The emperor is the Mikado. Yeah, the emperor is the Mikado. Which does, I, there's a couple different definitions for it on, on the internet for what Mikado means. And I believe one of them was, um, a soldier or somebody who stands strong on the issues. Mm, that's what it kind of means. See? So that, then, yeah, that makes sense as to why they would do that. I don't think they should have called the movie the Mikado. No, they're... That didn't make any sense to me, because he's only in it for five minutes. He's in the beginning, and he's in the end. The end. And that's it. Yep. That'd be it. Okay, so... He... Goes to this... Town of... Titty-poo. Yep. <laughs> and he's asking about... Yum-yum. Because he sees a... A... a a want a scroll, ad, yeah, like a news scroll explaining says, what's going on. Um, that uh, Coco the cheap tailor. Coco should be dead by now, pretty much. Yeah, he's the Coco the cheap tailor. Yep. Which they had were painting in Japanese characters, but when he opened up the scroll, it was written down in English in the really hyper racist font. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, attention to detail, people. That's what we're looking for here. Okay, so, Kogo should be dead, but Kogo is the new executioner. Um, Naki-poo. <laughs> it talks to, like, this Varus-type character. If you watch game, I was trying to relate everything to Game of Thrones <laughs> while I was watching. Just to, like, place kind of... 
It was it was relatable. In a way, yes. I was just trying to figure out what was going on. Half the time I was half the time I already knew what needed what was going to happen, so I needed them to get there quicker. And then the other half, I was trying to figure out why this was happening. I wanted to know why Coco was suddenly on the chopping block and then talked his way out of it and became the executioner. Mhm. And I still don't know how he talked his way out of this because he didn't seem to be that type of person. He was a big wuss. Yeah. He did not seem to have the the manipulation abilities to no. do that. Okay, so Naki Poo talks to this Varys-like character. If you picture Game of Thrones Varys, like, exactly. Yeah. And his name is Grand Poobah. Yes. Well, not the Grand Poobah, but he, it, this is where it comes from. Actually, the Grand Poobah was actually first referenced during World War Two for British politics for a man who holds many titles. Oh my god! It yes. all makes sense! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I looked it up. Um, that The Grand Poobah, actually, the term Grand Poobah came in during World War Two. But this was before World War Two. Yes, they were referencing this movie. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> this movie had so much influence on pop culture that it got referenced? Yes. This was a very popular movie. Well, the, it was a very popular play first. Yes. Oh, God. Okay. This is just a very popular story all around, and I don't understand why. Yes. Um, okay, so he's talking to Poobah, who... Can you explain what you mean? Oh, he hel- holds basically every high title in Titty Poo. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> it's because no one wanted to work for the executioner who used to be a tailor, so they all left. They all quit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so he gets every title. He has all the medals on his, like, samurai sleeves. He's the master of coin. He's the chief justice. He's the master general. He's the archbishop. He's the, the hand of the king. He's the coroner. Yeah. Every, okay, again, think of Game of Thrones. Everybody on the high council this is this dude. Yes. <laughs> and he references it every time. Mm-hmm. Every time, like, somebody says, oh, well, the this, and, this guy was there, this guy was there, this guy was there, this was, guy was there. I counted them all. <laughs> it's like, that is you, dude. You are that man. Okay, so... They sing a song about execution, the whole town does. They're very happy about it. They There is much love for the executioner. Yes. Like, um, crazy amounts of love. And, and he sings a song, I don't know what he's singing about, but he's got this giant axe, and it's a very slapstick number where, when he turns around, you know, people have to duck, so yeah. they don't, he doesn't chop off their heads. Slightly Charlie Chaplin-esque. Yeah. Um... Uh. So, uh, Poopa. Okay, then we have a scene with Poopa and Coco. Coco. <laughs> Think of the gorilla. That's what I do. Um, because Coco is getting married the next day or something. They keep saying yeah. things happen the next day, but they never do. Uh, he's getting married to Yum Yum. He wants the town to pay for it mm-hmm. because now that he is the grand the grand executioner, he needs these things to happen. There's there's a weird, like, exchange between them two about how they're gonna fake using the money for his wedding. 
the tax money for it. But then, like, he goes off on how, or the Poobah goes off on how he's, he's a man of honor and he's an honest man and he can't do this. But, oh, wait, if you pay me a little extra, I'll do it. Yep. So he just has to cook the books. Which I think he did say cook the books at one point. <laughs> I don't know. And then Three Little Maids from school? Yes. Yes. Which comes from this movie. This musical. This musical. That song is from this musical. The song that is referenced everywhere, and you've probably heard it. You don't know what we're talking about, but go on YouTube and look it up and listen to it. You know this song. They know it. It was referenced in The Simpsons, so. It's referenced in everything. It was referenced in Angel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, three little maids from school. Also, hissing is laughter. That's That's how I feel... I don't know why it was done that way. Was it just done to try and poke fun at... I don't know. I think everything was done to poke fun, but... Well, yeah. I don't I don't think it was intentional poke fun. I think it was just appropriation. It's that whole yeah. white privilege like, thing. Like, this is how they laugh. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, it was weird. Um, okay, so then Nicky Poo shows up, and he's like, holla at you ladies, and they love him. Oh, yeah, like, they're ta- they're standing there talking to Coco, who is their guardian. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, uh, Nicky Poo, I'm just gonna call him that, because Nacky Poo is just harder to say. Uh, Nicky Poo comes up, and he's like, hello, and they all rush him. Yeah. They're like, oh my god, it's this dude, we saw him back in our, uh, we saw him back in our slum or whatever they were living in. A year ago. A year ago. And they were so excited to see him, like, they remember, remembered him. Um, and then Yum Yum actually admits that she doesn't love Coco. She's like, I'm getting married. Yeah. He's like, you don't love him. She's like, nah. <laughs> nah, I don't. And then they sing a song about what they're not gonna do to each other while they do those things. Kissing. Yeah. <laughs> They were, he was kissing her all over, being like, I, I'm not doing this. Nope, I promise I will never do this. Mwah. 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 Yeah, there was, like, some neck kissing and some... Yep. 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 Yeah, weird times. Um. I still don't know why that was in there, but okay. So then, a letter from the Mikado comes to Coco... And it pretty much says, like, no one has gotten executed in a while, so there needs to be one this month or something. Within a month. Within a month, or they'll downgrade the city, city to, to a, a village. village. I think that means they'll get less money. Yes. It definitely does mean that. Because, uh, Japan and also Britain, I don't know how long Britain lasted with the feudal system or that I know that it still in some way exists today because they still have the nobility but uh the way that those things work is if you are the head of this township or city or village or whatever you get a certain amount of money a month from the government Mm -hmm. for being a steward of this thing so it would downgrade how much money they would be getting See all the British politics yeah. satire? Yeah. See, it's, it's coming together. We're working through it. But somebody has to die because the emperor wants somebody to die. So they sing a song about who should die. Yeah. <laughs> That's, um, 
Pooba, Coco, and the random mayor dude who's never explained. Yeah, somebody else <laughs> I don't know his name. They all were like, you should be the substitute. No, you. Yeah, but they were trying to get Coco, they were trying to convince Coco that he should be the one to execute himself because he was the last prisoner who required executing. Right. They're like, well, you did flirt. So you gotta die. You gotta die. And then he he says the great line of, how can you expect an executioner to cut off his own head? I don't know, you get a guillotine. (laughs) That's what you do. Um, okay, so... Coco, I guess, is distraught. He goes out into his courtyard and he finds Nakey Poo. We're just giving him different names at this point. (laughs) And he's throwing a rope over a tree branch and he wants to hang himself. Yes, because he can't, he can't live without Yub Yub. Who is supposed to have already been married, mind you. Because this is already the next day. Yeah, for serious time. Who knows what time is in this movie? Um, so Coco wants Nicky Poo <laughs> for the substitute. Um, so he agrees if he gets to marry Yum Yum tomorrow and or then get killed at the end of the, the month. month. Yeah. And Coco at first is hesitant and then he's like, okay. He, for, for how much time and effort men in those time periods placed on a woman's virginity, he was really, really okay with giving away his virgin bride. Yeah. He was not angry, uh, he was distraught, but he wasn't. Like, he's the executioner. He's a man of supposed honor. He, even though he should have been executed, I still don't, I still don't understand how he became the <laughs> executioner. so caught up on that point. Because the, the only reason it's there is to make this whole plot line work. Yep. That is the whole reason it's there, and it makes no other logical sense. Yeah. Okay, so they agree to that. Then Coco summons everyone, and then he pretty much tells everybody what was just told to us in song. Yeah. So he's gonna get married, but he's gonna die at the end of the month. Yep. And Nekipu is very okay with that fact. Yeah, he's totally flipping about dying. Yeah. Well, I wanna die. Yeah. Alright, I guess I'll die in a month. Okay, whatever. I get to marry her. Yep. Why would you want to die if you get to marry the love of your life? I thought, here's what I thought. I thought he was just, his plot in that case was just being like, okay, I'm going to marry her the next day, and then immediately go back to being the prince and being like, I'm already married. That makes more sense, except for, I there, there becomes that problem with, What's her face? Still calling herself the daughter-in-law. The the my new favorite word or phrase is the daughter-in-law elect. Daughter-in-law elect. That's daughter-in-law. You. I know I'm a daughter-in-law elect. 
I did not know that it, that was a thing. That's a really interesting thing. Um, yeah, the ugly woman. Who had a penciled-in mus- mustache. Oh, yeah, I didn't describe... What's her name? Catashaw? Catashaw? I just called I her cat. Because he calls her cat and then rubs his face up against her knee or whatever. Like okay, a cat. yes. <laughs> she is... I don't like this character, of course. Um, she's a overlit, overweight woman with very large, like, Mickey Mouse ears styled hair. Very bad wig. Very, just huge with, um, lots of hair sticks poked in there. Yeah, them. like the traditional Japanese, like, these, it's kind of like what they would wear to their weddings. Mm-hmm. They're considered the, their version of the wedding veil. Um, so they have the the sticks in the hair that are crossing. There's three of them going down. Think of uh, Queen Amidala mm-hmm. in episode right. one, right? When they're on the, when they're on the other planet, escaping from the Sith. Right. Exactly. Picture <laughs> that hairdo on a woman with a painted on mustache. And exaggerated ugly features. Yeah, with covered in flowers. Yeah, and her robe because I think she wanted to distract from the face. Yeah, <laughs> it was like one of those uh, Japanese robes that come up and then have the shoulder pads that come up and point. Mm-hmm. And I could just uh, all I was thinking about the entire time was. Look, it's Prince Zuko from the Fire Nation from Avatar: The Last Airbender. <laughs> I am a horrible human being. <laughs> Aww. I ugh, ugh, the the ugh, ugh. I'm sorry. So many, so many problems with this movie. Um. Okay, so she comes to this town. I don't know how did she know that he was here. She's been looking for him. Okay, so she came and she sees him right away. Well, he's standing on the steps with the three with the three little maids, and. He, like, notices her and then tries to hide, but then the crowd pushes him back because the crowd is really excited that she's coming into town because it's of all the fuva and the pomp and circumstance, mm-hmm. essentially. And so he gets pushed back, and then she notices him when they everybody pushes him back. It's kind of like that weird slapsticky moment of trying to hide, but you can't hide because you're being rushed by the crowd mm-hmm. kind of thing. And then she notices, freaks out, tries to, like, convince, convince the crowd of people to hand over her betrothed. Yeah. I don't know how, I, I, for some, I think the maids got all, the whole crowd in on screaming at, oh my god, when they, when they, she showed up at the, and everybody turned and just, like, screamed yeah. in horror at this woman who just showed up. Because she's apparently that ugly. Yeah. Um, so, she was trying to say, he's the son of the Mikado. So she would get to, he's the son of, and then the whole crowd would go, ah! They'd say, yum yum. Or no, that was the second part of the song. Right. They, they were screaming, singing something, I don't know what, but it yeah. was covering up every time she wanted to say, he's the son of the Mikado. Um, which, I don't know how they got the whole town to hide the fact that he was in disguise. Because they didn't know. The only person who knew was Yum Yum. Mm-hmm. 
Her and uh, Naki Poo were the only ones that knew. Then how did they know to cover up what exactly what she was saying? I don't know. Like that that's another thing that I have questions about as to what Was there that? was there a section that was cut out in the opera I where think, the maids all know? I think the maids did know. He was standing there with the three maids and he's like, Oh, by the way, I'm actually the prince and sorry. So yeah. guys and she's like, Okay. <laughs> Um, so they, like, rush into the crowd, and I don't know how they told every single person to all yell on cue. Yeah. Well, they were, like, directing it with their fans and stuff, and getting the crowd all riled up. I mean, it's not that hard to get a crowd riled up if you really work at it. Right. Um, yeah, and then the second part of the song, the crowd yells that he's marrying Yum Yum. Yes. Yum Yum. Yes. Yum Yum. It sounded like the Meow Mix, uh jingle from the 90s the meow 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 yeah it was it was rather strange especially that because her name is yum yum but yeah so then they go from that to the- yum yum trying on her wedding kimono says so the next day and yum yum is getting ready for the wedding and then she sings something <laughs> I don't know what she was she was talking about. Like she's staring at the sunset, excited about her wedding and being able to marry the actual man that she loves, or as she was calling him the true man that she loves, because you may not have a you may have a false man that you love. Yeah. Um. But then yeah, then she was sad that he's going to die. Well, yeah, the maids kept, like, egging her on, being like, well, how can you be happy knowing that he's going to die? What terrible bridesmaids. <laughs> you're uh. supposed to pick up the, the bride on the wedding, right? Like, well, I know you're supposed to pick up the dress. I well, don't know what else. No, I mean, like, pick do. up her emotion. To oh. Be like, stop freaking out about everything. <laughs> Look, stop. a preview to my wedding day. <laughs> Ashley, stop freaking out. <laughs> I won't be freaking out. It'll be Sam who's freaking out. As we've already established, he is Groomzilla. Well, I am not his bridesmaid. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> Naki Poo <laughs> comes along and he sees that she's crying and seriously upset. And he's like, no, you shouldn't cry. It's your wedding day. And I don't know, they sing a song. They sing a song, and then they go into, like, the Rose Garden or whatever. He carries her into the Rose Garden. I don't know. Oh, wait. He was, like, standing next to the ledge, and then he nods to the mayor dude and the other maid, and they, like, creepy slowly exit out of uh, of frame. And then he grabs her and carries her into the the Rose Garden, where they find um, Coco distraught. Mm Mm-hmm. Over the fact that he's losing his child bride. Yep. (laughs) And then he, like, eggs them on. He's like, okay, I'll just have to get used to it. Now, put your hands around her waist. (laughs) And then they do. And then he's like, oh, no, stop. It's too much. And then he's like, okay, I'll just have to get used to it. Now put her head on your shoulder. Oh, no, stop! You've been doing too much to me. This is an exact representation of the movie right here. Yes! <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that, that happened. 
It happened, like, often. And then they sing the the Death to Marry You song. Well, Coco and then tells Yum Yum that he's learned some distressing news from Poobah. <laughs> These words that are coming out of my mouth. <laughs> I didn't make them up. <laughs> I just accept them as they are. <laughs> Jeez, <Okay>. Justine. <laughs> okay. I almost got it. Okay, so Poobah says that if a woman's husband is beheaded, the bride has to be buried alive. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, nobody wants that to happen. That's why he's upset, because he won't be seeing Yum Yum anymore. Yeah, ever. Ever. Because she's gonna die. And they're like, oh, no. <laughs> so that's why he got all creepy pornographic on her. Yeah. That was weird. Um, but the, then they sing the Death to Marry You song. Where... <laughs> That's what I called it, because that's what they kept saying. What about the the pretty state of things? Oh, was that? I didn't get that. I thought that was part of this song. I thought it was all one word, one song. I think that is. I don't know. They were they were, were the English colloquialism songs. Yeah. <laughs> that's a fine howdy do. <laughs> Who in Japan says that's a fine howdy do? Who anywhere says that's a fine howdy do? British people in 1885, probably. I feel bad for those who had language in Britain in 1885. But yeah, they sing the song, and uh, she contemplates the fact that she's going to die if she marries uh, Nakipu. So Nakipu says, all right, just kill me right now, because yeah. I don't want her to die. And yeah. um, Coco doesn't want to do it because he's a big wuss and he doesn't... He says he's a great humanitarian. Mm-hmm. He's an executioner who does not want to execute. No. I don't think he just... He does not want to be involved in anything that has to do with bodily fluids at all. <laughs> um, but he won't do it, and then they go... I don't remember what happened after that. I think I blocked well, it out. Then they... He, he comes up with a plan, I'll just tell the Mikado that you were executed. Is that our before or after he break dances? <laughs> That's after. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I was able to ask that in a serious fashion. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> well, he's wearing the MC Hammer pants. And he, he, like, starts doing his skipping, jaunty, b-boy style thing that he's got going on. He had some dance skills. He did. He was, he was a very acrobatic man. Mm-hmm. In his 60s. Or 50s. I don't know. He was, he was of age. Okay. So, they come up with that plan. I don't know. And then the, the Mikado comes to town. Yeah, and he's gonna be there in ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden. <laughs> By the way, Mikado's just around the corner. I can see his parade from here. Yep. Um, and he sings something about how the punishment fits the crime. Yes, which, it, this, the punishment fits the crime became a thing. This is another thing that's referenced back to this movie. Oh. Oh, okay. In pop culture. Oh, uh, hey. That's, uh, there it is. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> um, 
so like we said, he's very... He wants death. Oh, dude had some seriously maniacal laughter going on at some point in that song. <laughs> like, at the end, he, like, is bowing down and then slowly stands up, like, all Voldemorty and is all... <laughs> And, like, hangs on that last until he sits down, and it's really weird. <laughs> but it was, like, perfect villain comedy. Yeah, it's a it's an, it's an amazement that Nakipu was raised, is the spawn of this man. Yeah, all he wanted was death. Yeah. It was, well, I need to see the body. And then they give him the death warrant. And oh, yeah, they tell him, oh, you just missed the execution. It was great. Yeah, it was awesome. He's like, oh, tell me all about it in detail. Yeah. Like, expl- this man was probably a serial killer at whatever time period we are in in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, Coco, Poobah, and one of the maids each describe the execution, the supposed execution of Naki Poo that had happened, and, and... The Mikado is definitely pleased. Very pleased that this happened. Um, But he's also, by the way, hey, that's not really why I came here to check up on you, but that's cool. I came here because um, my daughter-in-law intended says that my son was here and I'm going to need you to produce him for me. He's He's masquerading around as a second trombone player, which, yep, I don't. It's probably musical humor, like... (laughs) Okay. I didn't get it. Sorry, musical humor enthusiasts of the world. Um, and they're like... That's when they find out. That's when those characters find out that Nakipu... Was the prince. Was the prince. Um, and then they're like, oh no, you killed the prince? Well, then you guys are going to die tomorrow by... A little after luncheon. Yeah, and we're gonna do it with some boiling oil. Yeah, that sounds like fun. Yeah. That was that was literally how he reacted to it. It was weird. It, at first he was toying with them. He was like, oh no, I'm not mad. Like, it's okay, guys. Like, let's chill. And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank he's you, like, great emperor. Yeah, he's pretty much, oh, if it only was the law that if you didn't know that it was the heir and you killed him that you You would be set free yeah but you know it's not the law yeah and i can't change it because you know that's like really bad emperoring and i just i can't do it nope so well i guess you'll have to die yep gotta die you can have lunch though first yep so they all run out and then they catch naki poo before he leaves on his honeymoon yeah he's like i'm dead bye guys which still is, like, really reinforces how much of a wuss Coco is. Yes. Because he's like, he could have been like, okay, you're coming with me. I don't care. Yeah. It's, it, he's killing me now. Um, Come on, let's go. But since, I don't know, something that since he was already married, who was going to die? They were going to kill... Somebody. They were just gonna kill everybody, I thought. They were gonna kill Yum Yum? Yes. And then they were gonna kill the maids, and then they were gonna kill Poobah, and they were gonna kill Coco. Yeah, if they were, if, 
if that had happened, yeah, then, yeah, more, I don't know. More people were gonna die. The The Emperor was really on, like, everybody must die kind of, like, mm-hmm. thing. So then they come up with the plan in which nobody dies, and that is to have Coco seduce and Kadishaw. So, yes, marry, instantly marry Kadishaw, the ugly woman. Yes. Who had some, had my favorite line of the entire movie. It was, it takes years to train a man to love me, which I said it then and I'm going to say it again. This needs to be on t-shirts. <laughs> That's going to be your, your bridal gift. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to wear that down the aisle, see how Sam thinks. <laughs> No, that would be bad. I won't do that, I promise. Um, so Coco goes to the Rose Garden where he finds Kadishaw standing on the bridge, throwing rocks into a koi pond. hmm Like every highborn lady should. And disrobes, takes off his kimono. He had nice arms, though. He did have nice arms. <laughs> Those were very good selling points. Yeah. But he had, like, flowers on his suspenders, a giant K he on his shirt. the two shirt. Ks. Yeah, the two Ks on his shirt. Like, a fanboy for this woman. Mm-hmm. And tells her how he's loved her for years, and how she she must marry him, and how he can... fulfill her broken heart or fill her broken heart or fix it or something along those lines and she like totally does not want anything to do with him at first she pushes him away into the dirt she's like you just slaughtered my my betrothed my betrothed and now you want to get with me nah man this ain't for me pushes him into the dirt i don't know and then he sings a song about birds Yes, which is also <laughs> apparently a very famous song, huh. which has been redone in a bunch of different things. Not as often as the uh, the Three Little Maids, but it's still referenced in pop 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 culture. Oh, it's Tit Willow, that's what it's called. Lots of tits. Lots of tits. It actually me. It its other name is on a tree by the river, or by a river. Um, but it's been, it was on an episode of The Muppet Show, it was used. There's a variant used in Stranger in a Strange Land, and then a couple other movies that aren't. So, this movie produced a whole ton of pop culture references. Pop culture references and famous songs. Well, not just this movie. The whole... Play. The opera. Yeah. It's it's more coming from the opera than the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, though this movie was done by an opera company, so that means that the entire cast had been on stage doing mm-hmm. this musical. Right. Which is good. Um, okay, so she he wins over Katishaw. She's crying into her fake mustache. Yep, it's like the mascara mustache that she has is dripping off. Um, so we cut over back to the, the Mikado, and he's like, okay, bring, bring those people in, let's get this, let's do this. Yep, he's down for it. He has his, like, I don't want to call it a mascot, but that's the only thing I can think of, like, the guy in the mask, who is the gong dude, and has him gong the thing until the people come, and is just like, let's go. 
You gotta go. It's like WWE style. Um, and then uh, Katisha comes with the people and she's like, I'm here to give them mercy. Yep. She's like, mercy on, and then, you know, everybody. And he's like, why? And she's like, we're married now. Yeah, surprise! And then, to save the day, the uh, Yum Yum and Nakipu. They show up. Yep, they just walk in. Like, hey, I'm not dead! What's up, guys? And then everybody was happy. Yep. And is that, that, that's basically where the movie ends. Yep. Oh, yeah, it's them walking in, and then they walk around to, like, showcase the fact that he's alive, and that he had, and the, uh, Makado has a new daughter-in-law. Mm-hmm. And they do their rounds, they do their, like, little round, round around the, the room, and then they kiss. And then walk off frame. <laughs> and that's how the movie ends. Yep. I am saddened again this was another movie with weddings that we didn't see. Yeah. And there were two. Almost three. Yeah. Because in Nothing Sacred, we didn't see that wedding either. It's just like, we're married. Yeah, it just happens all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of anticlimactic, in a sense. I don't know, I felt lackluster and angry about this movie not just because there's no weddings but i don't know it just you don't think this is a romantic comedy oh no i do not think this was a romantic comedy i think this was a comedy Mm -hmm. but there was i just didn't feel any romance what is your definition of a romantic comedy honestly cinderella i know it's the worst but when they did it with H- uh, Hilary Duff and Chad Michael Murray, <laughs> that is my definition of a romantic comedy. Because it, ha- it has the, romance el- the romantic elements, but you have those side characters, like the mice in the animated version of the, the original, mm-hmm. who kind of drive the story. They're, they're part of the story and they're a driving force, but they're, they're the comic relief. But they're still part of the movie. Like, this movie, you had the... The, char- the side characters or the ensemble cast, but they're not driving the, the movie along. Like, we already know where our main characters need to be, and the, the side characters aren't driving that, that force. So when I, when I want a romantic comedy, I want to see my main characters be involved with that whole, the romance, but then also have the comedic force behind it as well. A if movie that makes about sense. a romance... That is also funny. Yes. That is, by basic definition, that is it. Okay. Right. I just didn't feel like, this was a story about death, in my mind, and humanity's obsession with it. I think this story was mostly about Coco. Oh, yeah, definitely. It was definitely about him and his whole situation that he has got going on. Which is funny, because it's not about the Mikado. It's not about the Mikado's son, who was barely in it. He didn't really change at all. He's like, I want... Nobody really changed. Right. Nobody really changed, but the two people that didn't change the most got what they wanted. Mm-hmm. And then Coco changed, but didn't get what he wanted. Well, it was about politics. It was a political movie. It was a political movie, which we didn't realize. It It makes way more sense knowing that it was a politically driven movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Which also, again, does not make it a romantic comedy. 
when you're writing about politics, do not make it a romantic comedy. I'm gonna find a movie that's about politics and it's a romantic comedy. Um, okay, London Symphony Orchestra was gorgeous. Oh, yeah. The soundtrack. Everything but the, the singing I liked in the soundtrack. It really reminded me of Harry Potter. <laughs> There's this theme, okay, in the fifth Harry Potter movie that they have for Fred and Joy, Fred and George when they leave the, the castle and set things on fire in front of Umbridge. And they play this da 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 the strings and the uh the mm-hmm. the timpanis coincide with one another and kind of have this really energy fueled thing and that's a lot of I could hear a lot of that in this. So I was constantly reminded by Fred and George and internally crying. Oh <laughs> That's why you hated it. <laughs> Uh, this movie was remade in 1967. Mm-hmm. I hope it's not on Netflix. <laughs> I hope not. Well, it was also a TV movie. There was this, the, the movie was remade in 1967, and then there's a TV movie from 1982? I don't know. It's been, it's been remade several different times. Why? I don't know. I, I don't know. It... I mean, it has themes that mm-hmm. are that are common throughout history. I mean, you have the, the the dictator type who, even though this is supposed to be reflecting of Japan at the time, you you still have those dictator type leaders throughout all of history. I mean, even now we have them in in the world. Do you think that they could have did this without? being in Japan, if they did it in a sort of feudal or medieval setting, English... Oh, they totally could have. It would have worked just as well. It mm-hmm. did not... The This is why it is racist, and this is why it's appropriation, because it was just there to use that as a visual focal point. It was not there to, to actually tell anything about Japanese culture whatsoever. It was there to poke fun of it, and... Being as this is right before World War II, I can really understand why Japanese people were, they did not like us. They did not like Western culture at all. And I think that says a lot, because Japanese culture is very honor-based. It is, you, you have your honor as a man, and you also have your honor as a woman. It's not, it is a... At its core, it is a very equal society among the sexes. In some islands of Japan, there is also... It's uh, a matriarchy. So they don't follow the same settings as Western culture at all. And I think that might be why our society kind of took offense to it. Because the the Japanese didn't want to follow that architecture or didn't want to integrate with it. But then they also, I think, I don't know, there's a lot of history behind all of this because America tried to step in and change Japan because there was an emperor who really wanted to westernize Japanese culture and that was the end of the samurai and all of that. But I, I think there's two sides of it when you think about it. This reminds me of, well, here's the thing. I really like The King and I. Yes. The movie? Yes. The first, or the old one? With Yul Brenner. With Yul Brenner. Yes. Okay. Yul Brenner, he's not 
tie. No. But you really wouldn't know it. Mm-hmm. Well, he is, I just looked up, he has a Russian ancestry. Um, okay, then. So half of him is partly Eurasian. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I was curious just now, so I looked it up. Um, that, but you wouldn't say that that movie is racist, would you? Not necessarily, because it's, it's, they pay respects to that culture. Mm-hmm. They follow those cultures, guy. Like they, they really tried to be honest about the that culture in a sense. This, there, it was just appropriation. There's a difference between paying respects and appropriating. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, this was the the makido was strictly appropriation because there was no need for it. In the king and I. That's where the whole story kind of comes out, is the differences in culture mm-hmm. and the analysis between the British culture and the Thai culture. So you have this king who has all of his wives, and what this now this white British woman has to come and teach those wives and him, and having to deal with her place as a woman in Thai culture, and it's completely different in a sense. So that was a more of a culture reflect. Mm-hmm. And that was a serious, it wasn't a comedy, The King and I. It was, there are funny moments, but it, no, it's not strictly like a slapstick comedy or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a fine line that, and today we really need to look at what we've kind of, we're doing in the entertainment industry um, and try and be not necessarily sensitive, but try and be more understanding, mm-hmm. because with understanding, you becomes you be, you grow as a human being, and I think understanding other people's cultures and having respect for their culture, but still having respect for your culture and yourself, and not trying to shove yourself on somebody else, creates a better society. It's stronger because you still have you can instead of using that energy against one another you can use that energy to achieve one essential goal. There we go. Some Harry Potter going out at you. <laughs> I like how you just tied it all back to Harry Potter. <laughs> I'm sorry. Dumbledore was a very influential man in my youth. <laughs> um, I do, do want to touch on the love story of the Mikado briefly. It was, it was one of those things, again, where they see each other from across the room and instantly they're in love. Yes. It's not, you, you don't have any build. Like, that's what I have a problem with labeling these, some of these movies as romances, is where you don't have any of the build. It's just instant, automatic like that. And a lot of people kind of have had that idea in their head that that's what love is about. Mm-hmm. For such a long time that seeing kind of the backbone of where that thinking kind of came from is slightly disheartening because we're just, I think, now trying to kind of actually analyze what love is and how how it can change and how it can, it has to evolve over time. It's not just this instant feeling that stays there for forever. I think that that is more lust in mm-hmm. a sense that you can you can see somebody from across the room and instantly be attracted to them yeah. that's just that is a thing 
but that's not love. Love is something that you have to work at constantly to a degree that it might drive you crazy and that you want to cry and scream, but that is what it is. You, you fight for that, that emotion. It's, it's, God, I went to too many weddings. (laughs) Um, but it's, it, love is essentially, love is your choice. Like you, everybody wants to say that you can't choose who you love, but you can, you, you can choose who you fight or who you direct that emotion towards and who you fight to keep that emotion for. Mm -hmm. Cause it's, it's a bigger aspect than just an emotion. So I don't know. What do I know? So the main character is not in love. No. The main character is attracted mm-hmm. and wants, wants that woman. I think she has been so sheltered as a ward of this governor. Yeah, what's up with that? Like, another governor <laughs> marrying... His ward? Yeah. I don't know. I guess that was just the thing. That the governor couldn't find... A man, uh, not a man, a, uh, <laughs> or he, he, cause all three of the three maids were his wards. So he picked the best one mm-hmm. to marry and then he's going to probably spew them off to marry. Yeah. Sell them off. Get the, get the profit. Yeah. yeah. The dowry, <laughs> the dowry of the woman. Um, so that's where I kind of think that might have been his thing and might have been something that was common to happen back then. Why didn't he just marry one of the other maids? I know he 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 was in love with Yum Yum. Yes. You believe he was in love with Yum Yum. I can because this has been a thing that has been built up. It might be obsessive love mm-hmm. which is not necessarily the love that we Right. And we especially want. it was not reciprocated. No. And he didn't, he didn't stop. So it's not necessary. It's like, again, another Harry Potter reference. It's like Snape. Mm-hmm. Like, he has obsessive love mm-hmm. that's not reciprocated. And some people adore that and think that that is a admirable and noble thing. But when you put it into a certain amount of context, it becomes scary. Yes. Because those are the type of people who don't stop. They become stalkers. They, they don't no, they don't realize that what they are doing is wrong, and they don't recognize what they're doing is wrong, and they don't choose to get over that fact. Mm-hmm. So, my problem, well, I have a big problem with, um, Yum Yum was just a pretty face. She had zero depth. Yes. Whatsoever. She was a sexy lamp. Mm-hmm. This is, this is kind of what I expected Mm-hmm. To be honest, from when we started the whole project, I really expected there to be no depth within a lot of the characters, or for the female characters that we were seeing. So, I'm glad I was proven somewhat right. But We're only far in! <laughs> I know! But I think this is a time before there were those types of stereotypes. Like, they didn't really know what to do for movies. They didn't know really how to... I didn't really have any rules mm-hmm. yet. So, they're just playing around with different things so there aren't any archetypes that can be... Yeah, I don't know. I, I also think there were a lot of male characters. There were only two, three, three female characters. Well, technically 
four. Well, if you count the three maids, that's three. I don't count one of them. Okay. So then, yeah, there were there were three, three female characters. So you have Yum Yum, who's the um, the face. Mm-hmm. You have the other maid who does a lot of talking, but I have no idea what her name is, what her deal is. Yeah. She's just like she's just there. Yeah. And then you have the ugly woman. Yeah. Who might have been a trope of just it. it I think it's just a trope of opera. Okay, so. Well, I mean, there wasn't, I mean, like, the main character, if you can call him that, didn't have any depth. Yeah, no one really did. Kind of Coco. I'm thinking this was Coco's movie. Yeah. They should have just called it, like, Coco's Journey or Coco's... The Executioner (laughs) Who Hated Blood. (laughs) Yeah. The Bloodless Executioner. Mm Mm-hmm. Something along those, yeah. It's definitely his, his movie, and... I don't know. Maybe they're playing towards the strengths of the actor. Because he was a very strong mm-hmm. comedic actor. He had good timing. He was physical. He had good timing in his physical comedy, which is even harder than just words. Because you have to actually think about what you're going to do and make your body do it, not just your mouth. So, I don't know. I I would like to, t- uh, like I would with any of the movies, I would like to talk to somebody and, like, really try to get to the nitty-gritty of this, because... Or maybe there isn't any nitty-gritty. Mm-hmm. Maybe it just it is what it is, and that's where we should kind of stop with it. Okay. You want to rate? Do you really want me to rate? Yes. <laughs> give me your rating. I give it a half of a star. A half of a star from creepy stalker mayor dude (laughs) who had the stripy tights yep well since you can't do half stars on netflix i give it a one star or one one buddha belly one buddha belly oh he didn't talk was that even a buddha that was a buddha there was a big buddha that had a book in its belly that opened up like a fireplace yep yep that's how it was Next week, we're watching uh, His Girl Friday. We're oh, jumping into the 40s. Thank you, God. <laughs> Have you seen the movie before? Clips. Oh. I've only seen clips. I've always wanted to watch it because it's a huge, like, thing on Gilmore Girls, and they reference it all the time, and I'm like, I need to see this movie. I, I desire this movie for many reasons. Um... Great. Okay, so we're going to watch that next week. Um, Please subscribe to us. (laughs) Yes. And uh, you can find us at our website, www.thecutaways.com. No, just cutaways.com. Right? Yeah, the cutaways. The cutaways.com. We also are on Twitter, Facebook, and iTunes. iTunes. You can uh, leave us comments. You can rate us. Please let us know what you think of these episodes. Yeah. Um, That would be nice. Yep. (laughs) We hope you enjoyed it. We enjoyed it, sort of. (laughs) The talking about it, not the necessarily the movie. Oh my god, tangents. Yes. (laughs) Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. (laughs)